The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 16 beginning at the 19th verse. Glory to you Lord Jesus Christ. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, then father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, they should listen to them. He said, no, father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. May the words that I speak and the reflection of all our hearts and minds lead us further into lives of love and service for your namesake. Amen. Amen. Last week, we landed our time together with the words, no slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That passage is immediately followed by these words. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all this and they ridiculed Jesus. So Jesus said to them, you who justify yourselves in the sight of others, God knows your heart. And then comes today's parable about the rich and the poor man. 
Before we unpack the parable and spend some time looking at what it might be saying then and now, I'm going to take us back to Luke chapter 6, which I think Stuart preached on several months ago. It's the Beatitudes and Woes. Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, you will laugh. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Then our story begins. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. The rich man is very, very rich. Purple outer garments and linen undergarments were the ultimate in luxury. They cost a fortune and made quite the statement to others about one's wealth, if that's what you're into. Purple was the way to go. But the rich man not only wore the finest of fine clothes, he feasted sumptuously every single day. Feasting was special occasion, eating and drinking, special occasion extravagance and celebration. But since this man feasted daily, his lifestyle could be considered opulent in the extreme. And his indulgent lifestyle was clearly more important than the law of God. You see, since the rich man feasted every day, he wasn't observing the Sabbath. And therefore, there was also no Sabbath rest for his servants, which would have been violating the law. Do you sense some exploitation here? I certainly do. The rich man seems to be able to have whatever he wants at the cost of others' legitimate entitlements and freedoms. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores. A gate denotes an expensive property that separates what happens on the street from what happens inside. And we would expect that Lazarus is carried to the gate each day by other people. This would have been common practice. Here's a fun fact for you. This poor man is the only character in all the parables that Jesus told, recorded in all Gospels, that actually has a name. Lazarus, it's Hebrew for Eliezer, the one whom God helps. There's certainly irony in that, isn't there? Lazarus was covered with sores, um, what we would call some kind of painful in, inflammatory lesion, um, might be like boils or if they ruptured ulcers. So it's a pretty sad image, isn't it? The poor man longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. This man longed to satisfy his hunger in the same way as the prodigal son longed to satisfy his hunger with the pods 
that he was feeding to the pigs, but he couldn't and he didn't. Bread was used to wipe your hands after a meal. There were no napkins, there was no cutlery. The bread was used and then thrown away. But the poor man wasn't even able to eat that bread. He only dreamt of eating it. The same scene appears in Mark's Gospel, where the Syrophoenician woman pleads to be given the small pieces of bread that are thrown from the table to the dogs after the meal. Perhaps the man's greatest pain, though, wasn't that he couldn't walk or the sores that covered his body or that he was very hungry. Perhaps his greatest pain was the isolation that he felt from those who could easily help him. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The dogs were kinder to Lazarus than the rich man. The word even conveys that the dog's behaviour here is put in contrast to the rich man's. As we know, dogs lick their own wounds. Their saliva actually contains peptide antibiotics to assist with healing. And they lick people as a sign of affection. Maybe when you get home this morning, you will be licked lovingly by your pooch. So while the rich man is feasting, stray dogs, which the Jews considered to be uh, almost as unclean as pigs, are providing care and comfort to the poor man. And I think this detail is a really lovely inclusion in today's reflection because um, we're preparing for our blessing of pets on Sunday week in Rabina Common. Well, the story doesn't end there. Life takes a very dramatic turn. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. Lazarus dies. There's no funeral. But he no longer needs to be carried to the gate of the rich man's house every day because he is carried by angels to be with Abraham, the patriarch the father of all those who would call themselves Jews. Lazarus is now in the most esteemed company. For the Pharisees, having Abraham gather the unclean beggar into his arms would have been anathema. This is a shocking detail in the story. Meanwhile, the rich man also died and was buried, rich or poor, we will all die. But the rich man has a funeral. I wonder who came and what was said about him that day. Did his feasting friends mourn him? Did they say kind and grateful words about his lavish feasts? I wonder. In the Middle East, even today, there are lots of folk tale, pearly gate stories. And back in Jesus' day, there were stories like this floating around, and this parable seems to have many of these traits. Jesus could well be using the story to make a comment not only to the wealthy Pharisees, who were lovers of money, but also to the Sadducees, that social and religious party who didn't believe in the resurrection and life after death. Well, after death... 
the rich man suddenly seems to know Lazarus' name and sees him being honored by Abraham. So now would be a really great time for the rich man to set things right. But he misses the opportunity and the story continues. In Hades, he's being tormented. The rich man looks up, he sees Abraham with Lazarus right by his side. The rich man calls out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. The rich man is now the beggar. It's the rich man that now says those words that we hear in scripture when people come to Jesus, have mercy on me. Father Abraham, I'd like you to send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in these flames. Well, the story is not telling us that God sends people to hell and others to heaven. That's not what the story is saying. Hades is the Greek place for the dead. It's another world of shades, roughly equivalent, very roughly equivalent to Hebrew Sheol. If you want to read more about heaven and hell, I mean, there's lots out there. A lot of it I'd steer you away from. But if you're looking for something that's helpful, C.S. Lewis has some really helpful things to say. And I think that the summing up of what C.S. Lewis says is that it's not God who sends us to heaven or to hell, but we, we choose for ourselves. And possibly that's what we're seeing in this story. Anyway, that's an aside. The point is that even after death, the rich man still doesn't, he might give Lazarus a name, but he still doesn't talk to him he still sees Lazarus as a servant, someone to call on to meet his needs, come and cool my tongue. So the listeners, the original listeners to the parable are spellbound. How is Lazarus going to respond to this? Well, he would have been perfectly entitled to respond something like this. You half-dead dog, I see you recognize my face and can call my name. You saw me outside your gate, but you did nothing to alleviate my pain. Your dogs were kind to me. They licked my wounds, but you, you no good scum of the earth. You, where were you when I needed you and needed your help? Now you want me to serve you? I can't believe it. Abraham, Leave this monstrous ego to fry in hell until the flesh falls off his bones. He fed his dogs. He would not feed me. What he's now suffering is only half of what he deserves. Well, of course, there are no such words. There is no angry response. Abraham speaks to the rich man very politely and addresses him as my dear son. My dear son, remember, you received good things. This kind of implies that he didn't actually work really hard for them, he received them as gift. But Lazarus received bad things, that is, he was ignored by you, rich man. Lazarus is comforted with Abraham you are in the anguish in Hades. 
The man who had nothing now has everything that he needs. But note that Lazarus is not described now as being healed or well-fed. He is described as comforted. Whereas the man who had everything feels a gaping sense of need for comfort rather than the wealth and comfort that he's left behind, he's craving peace because he's in torment. When possessions take on the kind of power that wants mastery over us, serving God can become very difficult and our lives will feel incomplete. We cannot serve God and wealth. When we're unfaithful with our possessions, it's hard to recognize the treasure of God's life in our own. When we are faithful with what we have, the treasure of the truth about who God is can find a place in our heart. So the rich man continues, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house and save my five brothers from the torment that I'm experiencing. And Abraham says, no, you have, a, you have Moses and the prophets. They can listen to them. They'll tell them everything that they need to know. But the rich man says, no, they need more than that. If someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. Father Abraham says, If having the Old Testament in one hand and having Lazarus sitting at their front gate isn't enough to convince them what they need to do, then nothing will be. I wonder, how would the story be different if the rich man became vulnerable to hearing the poor man's story, tending his wounds and feeding him? Abraham's reference, Father Abraham's reference to the brothers not listening is a clear reference to the ongoing deafness of the Pharisees to Jesus. And it reminds me of the lines in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and worries of love is hell. The problem for us is that we can hear this parable as, a way, is, as the way that God dishes out justice. Something like, well, life's unfair, but don't worry. God will make everything up after we die. Well, whether we're wealthy or not, whether we have a magnificent home or we're homeless, it's not our financial or social situation that determines how we will spend eternity. So what was the rich man's sin? It was because he didn't order Lazarus to be removed from the gate and he didn't ex express an objection to Lazarus having the bread that was thrown away and he didn't seem to be overtly cruel to him, the rich man's sin was that he simply didn't notice. 
Lazarus was part of the landscape and the rich man thought it was okay for him to live in poverty and to suffer at his front gate day after day after day while he wallowed in luxury and didn't respond. So I was really challenged by that and I asked myself, who is the Lazarus in my life? Who might the Lazarus be in your life? Perhaps not the person who makes insistent demands, but is quietly present day to day and would love a little bit of your comfortable life, your clothes, your food, your company, your listening ear. We can't solve all the problems of the world, any of us on our own, but we can pay attention when Lazarus is carried to our front gate and we can respond in an appropriate way. I want to tell you a little story from Community Connect. We've only been going two weeks. Um, at last week, somebody who'd been at Community Connect the week before came to the office and asked if they could come in here and sit and pray. So I walked over with them and said, make yourself at home, stay as long as you like. Before I go back to what I'm doing, can I pray with you? And this person said, yes, please, I'd really like that. And I said, how might I pray? And they said, I'm really lonely. And so we prayed. And then this person said, do you have Bible study groups? And I said, well, we do. And I got out my trusty piece of paper that's got them all listed, and I said, there's one on today, and you'd be welcome to join. And they said, do I need to say anything? I said, you do not. You can sit and be part of the circle. And so after they spent some time praying, uh, they did stay for Bible study. I introduced them to the person that was leading the study that day, who said, oh, it's great to have someone who doesn't need to say anything because we have quite a few people who do. So they said, that all works out really well. They stayed for Bible study, and then I took them downstairs and introduced them to Lynn downstairs at the op shop, the kids' op shop, and said, maybe you'd like to become part of the team. I don't know how that conversation landed, but I thought, there we are. There are people who are lonely, and they're not very far away. This parable is also about something else that I flagged earlier. It is about exploitation. While Lazarus languished at the rich man's gate, the rich man's lifestyle necessitated exploitation of the servants. Not only were they denied Sabbath rest, makes me wonder whether they were actually paid fairly. I wonder whether the rich man ever paid a fair price for anything, for his expensive clothing, for anything that he bought. I wonder whether he ever said thank you. I wonder whether he can ever considered sharing anything with people around him. Today, exploitation of people continues. Simple things like treating those who serve us in restaurants and entertainment venues is a very small start to addressing exploitation. Exploitation through human trafficking is one of the biggest contributors to the world's economy. 
So what can we do in the face of widespread injustice? We can't solve the whole problem. It just Here's one quick thing before we finish. One thing that we can do is commit to buying ethically sourced clothing and cosmetics and other products that we use. For example, I want to tell you about my earrings. They are cast from melted bomb fragments sourced in Laos. And they're made under fair trade conditions. Each piece sold assists with land clearance and returns a fair price to the artisans in Laos who have designed and made the pieces so that they can provide for their families and their village development. It's one small thing. If the rich man had had the will with all the resources that he had at his disposal to imagine and create such a social justice enterprise, what a difference it would have made for his life and the lives of each and every Lazarus who may have been able to participate in that. Amen.